podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. It is edge rush time, that time of the week again. That is where me, your host, Nat Coombs and producer Ollie, get you set for week 14, digging deeper into two or three games. We've got an edge rush Acker of the week as well. And producer Earl, our Akers of the week are rolling right with two last two weeks back to back wins for us. Back-to-back wins for us and incredibly entertaining wins for us as well last week, (laughs) considering that we had both the Raiders and the Colts in there, which at one moment in the early slate of games in week 13, I think we both were pretty confident that they would both lose. Do you not yes, think? Yeah. Well, because we are, of course, you know, eternal pessimists when it comes to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, our action. And, and given the, the ridiculous uh, backdoor covers, um, of course, the, the, the absurd bad beat of the, of the Eagles a few weeks ago, I, I'm not surprised we were, we were lacking in conviction. But hey, it, it turned out the gambling gods were shining on us. It turned out good in the end. Also, we were big on the Browns and uh, yeah, that kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, we took the Browns line, which actually was getting uh, was getting a little bit tight in the end there. Yeah, no, it was. I thought uh, when Baker Mayfield fumbled right at the end of the game, when he was taking a knee, I don't think people are talking about that enough. When he was, I wasn't even just doing quarterback sneak. I mean, it was literally just killing the clock and he still managed to fumble the ball, which I thought could have been the most Cleveland Browns thing of all time. But they <laughs> did, they did manage to hold on to the win. And yeah, we actually did well with covering that spread we could have actually fluttered a little bit on money line but I don't think anyone really thought Cleveland were going to win going into that or at least put a performance in like they did and then the other one which we almost predicted completely was the Rams Cardinals you were big on the Rams and they came good it was again looking a little bit nervy at points when they had that fumble on the punt return and the over as we said all the statistics it's one of those isn't it now one of those gut feelings which came off for me where all of the statistics were pointing in the direction for the under with how good... I mean, we saw on Thursday Night Football last night, the Rams' defense, easily one of the best yep. in the NFL, if not the best in the NFL. Yep. But it was just one of those games where, because they're divisional rivals, because there was so much on the line, it just felt like there was going to be points scored, and there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a gut shot, I think, but one that, that absolutely paid off. Uh, incidentally, we got an acro of the week again as well. That is a muddy line treble. That's how we do it. So there's a bit of disagreement between you and I on, on, on that as we were exchanging WhatsApp messages. Just to remind our listeners, of course, you and I work together very closely on this show. Uh, you produce me on the live coverage over on Talk Sports. So we, we, we do a lot of NFL together. And just to recap, we spend 93% of that time discussing gambling. <laughs> it's all the same thing, right? Uh, so the Acker of the Week, a bit of disagreement there. We are going back, diving back into Cleveland. They're, of course, playing the Ravens. So we'll get to that in a minute. But let's lead off with uh, our first game we want to look at in a bit more detail. Kansas City, Miami, a fascinating game for all kinds of reasons. But in terms of action or So, Kansas City opened as seven and a half point favourites. And that line actually this morning, from what I've seen, has moved down to six and a half. The over-under is at 50 and a half. I think the focus here is primarily on Mahomes against the Miami defence. The Dolphins ranked second in the league in creating turnovers. Howard has been a monster all year at corner. So, Mm. you can understand why there is money coming in on the Miami spread and why people are seeing that as the more tempting play. I mean, Miami have only lost one game by more than one possession, and that was in week one. Yeah. Yeah. 3-0 against the spread when at least seven and a half point underdogs, and they have one of the best records in the season. 
against the spread at nine and three. So your Miami Dolphins are getting quite a bit of backing here. Yeah, and of course, crucially, as you've pointed out, it's gone below that, that key number of seven, right, which, which is interesting. And actually, and we were talking about this, and I was saying Kansas City, and there were some question marks there, and I, I deep-dived a bit more. I'm now leading more towards the Chiefs again for a couple of reasons, right? So I was looking into this in a bit more detail, and PFF were looking at uh, the cover zero and cover one usage that Miami use, right? Which in terms of the former and cover zero, uh, they rank first in the NFL, they're fourth in cover one, which means basically they blitz a lot and they run a lot of man coverage, right? Mahomes leads the NFL in terms of passing grade against cover zero, cover one, right? And against the blitz. So that is not an entirely encouraging sign. The, the Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Tandem notwithstanding, who I think are maybe the best tag team corner tag team in the NFL right now. I think, I think they've got to be in that conversation, right? Um, how does he say playmaking ability, eight picks, 16 passes defended. So that is going to be fascinating, of course, right? Whether uh, this can stack up. And the reason I was leaning initially Miami, and again, with that line in particular, with the number I should say in particular, is because of Flores, right? We know what Flores is capable of doing uh, defensively. Miami is a team built uh, around its defense. His patronage, his, uh, sorry, his um, provenance, of course, was in uh, New England with Belichick and wasn't just that Super Bowl win against the Rams when they got in Goff's head, but the SC Championship game. They stifled Mahomes, of course, remember, and, and kept Tyreek Hill down uh, in that game, although Sammy Watkins blew up in that game as well, so pick your poison. But I, I like the coaching match, but I wonder whether Flores will deviate from what they've been doing a lot this season it, there's every chance he will and there's every chance he might be able to pull off uh, pull off a plan that will at least contain you're shaking your head contain Kansas City I, my big concern with Miami oh, is offensively here I know you can score against Kansas City but their offense it just isn't really putting up the level of points to keep this close and particularly if the Chiefs roll early doors and get into a big lead they've got to move away from the run Miami I think it could get it could get messy but that number I'm now having disagreed with you last night on WhatsApp. I'm now uh, shaving back towards the Chiefs. Yeah. Now, as soon as I saw that number move down to six and a half this morning, my uh, play of taking Kansas City was just confirmed to me. As you said, they're going to struggle on offense, the Dolphins. They haven't scored more than 20 points in the last three games. And I think Miami's defense has been blessed also by their schedule. The last three quarterbacks mm. they've faced are Drew Locke, Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen, who now I'm pretty sure you could dominate those three quarterbacks. <laughs> All of them. How dare you pick on Brandon Allen as a, uh, as a Bengal? I think Miami, so when they've come against, their schedule has been pretty easy recently. Yeah, yeah. And when they've come against elite quarterbacks, they've struggled. Uh, Josh Allen threw for 415 passing yards against them. Are we call it Josh Allen elite now. That's a big, that's a hot take from all. Well, I think I'd say elite quarterbacks this season. Let's say MVP okay, contenders fair, this fair, season, which fair. Patrick Mahomes is the current favourite for. So fair, this is where the fair. point kind of comes through. Against Russell Wilson, 360 yards. Kyle Murray threw for 283 yards against them. So why are they going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes? Just because they can they stop, stop Brandon Allen and Drew Locke, why are they going to be able to stop, stop Patrick Jared Mahomes? Goff. Jared Goff's cooking now. <laughs> no, we, are, we know what Jared Goff's like. Jared oh, Goff is, but it had an inconsistent season, to say the least. Um, so I don't think right. he, I would put into that conversation. I think we're in agreement here. The one thing, and the over, what did you say the line was in terms of... 50 and a half. Mm, I, I suppose, against the Bengals, and point taken, your, your previous point kind of underlined a red pen here, it's against the Bengals, but two are hit eight different targets. Five players got at least 35 yards of offense. Look, the, the 
obvious thing about the Chiefs, which has been true for a couple of years, you can run on them, right? And equally, uh, you know, I think that it goes back to the point. If they can keep it tight and, and retain that ground game, I think that gives them enough options to keep it close. But if it's one of those ones where Mahomes hits heel with the first play of the game for a 78-yarder and they're going to blaze into like a 10, 13-point lead, I think say goodnight, Gracie. So we're kind of leaning, much as it pains me, towards uh, the Chiefs there, um, particularly if the number stays under seven. All right, what about Pittsburgh-Buffalo? This one is a really interesting one because Buffalo currently are at minus one and a half and the over-under is at 47 and a half on Betfred. As soon as Josh Allen stepped on the field in Arizona, everyone was suddenly paying the bills to beat the Steelers. I mean, what a set of games on Monday for line movement as the Steelers do the most 2020 thing possible and lose their unbeaten record to a team from the NFC East. See, I think Mike Tomlin's not that, uh, Ed, to the NFC East, I think Mike Tomlin's not that bothered with the defeat, to be honest. Uh, I mean, annoyed that his team lost, but I reckon it's one of those things that the longer the season goes on, you remain unbeaten. It is a distraction. Everybody's talking about it and they get closer to it. Are they going to be the new, you know, are they going to take over uh, the 72 Dolphins? And, and I reckon we know head coaches, organizations hate distraction, hate anything deviating from the number one objective, which is not to go through the season unbeaten, it's to win the Super Bowl. So I reckon Tomlin's annoyed at the manner of the defeat, annoyed the way his team played, particularly these drops, right? I mean, they've dropped 11 passes in two yeah. weeks. That is five more than any other offense. Yeah. But that's why I like Pittsburgh in this matchup, Holt, because I don't think lightning strikes or continues to strike like that. I think it's one of those components when you're analyzing what is going on that critics will say, well, their offense just isn't chiming. Look how bad their offense is. And I would say players like Juju Smith-Schuster, Claypool, that's not going to keep happening. It's not going to keep happening. If those half of those passes hadn't been dropped, conceivably Pittsburgh uh, you know, would offense would be in a different situation we'd have a different perspective right now and i and i think that they will rebound in this game offensively speaking certainly and you know what is the most likely thing to make pittsburgh steelers wide receivers catch the ball more mike tomlin coming out and saying that if you don't do that you're going to get fired <laughs> which is pretty much what he did yeah i don't think if anyone's going to come out and say well you need to catch the ball this week and if that's mike tomlin saying that to me I'm probably going to do whatever it takes to catch the ball that week. I agree with you. I think that it's interesting. Love that. On that, oh, on that, Tomlin's yeah. one of those guys that will say it just without any need at all to raise his voice. It's the kind of, yeah. I, I'm disappointed in you from your parents' angle that Tomlin will just, you know, j- catch the ball. he just walk up to Clay, catch the ball and just walk up. <laughs> That's what <Yeah>. he <laughs> Doesn't need anything else. Terrifying. No, no. Happy no absolutely, yeah, absolutely terrifying. I honestly think that they will definitely, I don't think you'll see one drop from the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, just because I think Mike Tomlin will be hammering that point home for sure. I also agree with you. I do like the matchup because I was just saying it was interesting because we, what we basically saw on Monday night was everyone buy out the Steelers, everyone saying they're a fraudulent team at their record and everyone saying the Bills are the hot team right now. They're one right. of the new contenders in the AFC. Josh Allen is right. one of the new contenders for the MVP, mm-hmm. all of these different things. So it's natural that the line moves from Steelers being two-point favorites to Bills being two-point favorites. Yeah. And I just don't see any value in Buffalo Bills at two points favorite there. No. Two-point favorites there. I think their offensive line is going to be tricky. And although Pittsburgh are missing Bud Dupree, 
and Devin Bush. They've still got TJ Watt, who I think is yeah. a favourite for Defensive Player of the Year, and I think they're going to cause Josh Allen a lot of problems. Buffalo Bills will not be able to run the ball, and when they don't mm-hmm. have success on the ground, I think that's when they start, when they're having to put more pressure on Josh Allen to throw the ball and chase the game, I think that's when they look. They come unstuck, generally speaking. I think this is just going to be a really close game either way. I think mm-hmm. Pittsburgh games tend to lean towards that with just the way they play. But mm-hmm. I don't. So as long as basically the wide receivers catch the ball, I think Pittsburgh will gradually build those long drives as they've been doing all season quite successfully. Because I think, although Buffalo are good in the backfield, sort of like the deep secondary, I don't think you'll see many big plays to chase Claypool. But I think those short passes, they'll yeah, gradually which is make their, their way. Yeah. yeah, which is exactly their game. And I think that works perfectly against Buffalo. I see this being close. I see this game being very yeah. close. I'm le- I think I agree with you. I think Steelers are the play here with the points. But I, I just see it going to be, it's going to go either way. This is going to be one of yeah. those hairy ones, which comes down to the wire. It's a pick isn't it? I, I don't feel strongly about it. I, I'm not sure I'll, I'll look at it. Um, but I am, as we've both agreed on, I think, leading Pittsburgh for those reasons. You make a great point about the Bills offensive line as well. Our friend, friend of the show, Greg Rosenthal, uh, made exactly that point in his column on NFL.com this week, that Bills O-line versus Pittsburgh, even without Bud Dupree, that's a concern. Looking at the Pittsburgh ground game, see everyone's laying into that and saying, well, Benny Snell, and you look at the run blocking grade, they're ranked 31st there but this isn't a great run d for buffalo it, it's just not so i don't think that's a particular mismatch and james Conner might be back as well it. if they the the bills have to rely on josh allen's arm to a significant degree that worries me and let's not get carried away I'm, i can't believe how many people are down on the steelers we've talked about it as you know on the show for weeks now i wrote about tomlin and the steelers last week i i am stunned that they are getting so much criticism they are a legit contender they're going to have a deep playoff run and if you put them in the AFC championship game against the chiefs as, as we've spoken about i think out of any team well on the show this week oc uh, was on our show this week you can go and check that out on our feed if you haven't listened to it already our week 14 preview the great ocu humanura in the house and he was saying he's not big on the Steelers, right so we were going back and forward a little bit about it and he was saying that I said, well, who's going to go toe to toe with the Chiefs in the AFC Championship? Realistically, if that is the championship game, and he said the Titans, which I'm with him on that. I like that as well. I think the Titans are maybe the other team that uh, Raiders. I'm sure they've done it, but I am not buying them with the conviction I am with the the Steelers. So this game, mm, we're fainting it, but we don't feel strong. But let's not write off the Steelers. I think is what we're saying. Right. Let's talk Baltimore Cleveland. This is a, a fascinating matchup we don't feel strongly about Steelers Bills we feel strongly about this or do you feel strongly about this well this is an interesting one because initially you see the line is at Baltimore minus two and a half and the overrun is at 46 and a half betting logic Nat suggests that a nine and three team playing at home shouldn't be an underdog to a seven and five team that didn't look that impressive against the Cowboys also coming off a short week right so the Browns should have more backing than ever right now. I know everyone always buys out of Cleveland for various reasons, just because they're the Cleveland Browns. But after winning that game, that most thought they couldn't against the Titans, you would think that this is the period where everyone thinks, yeah, the Browns are actually now probably the second best team in their division. The Ravens aren't looking as good as they once were. They can't seem yeah. to run the ball with the same efficiency without Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. But yet, the Ravens are still favourites in this game, which I find fascinating. The line has come in from three, mm. which shows some respect for Cleveland. But the money continues to now flow in on the Ravens at minus 
two and a half. Yeah. So it's it's a fascinating one, but it actually does make sense to me. I am actually now favouring the Ravens after doing the excessive research that you know I do every week. Oh, I mean, often listeners, 18, 19 hours a day, every day. I mean, he's, that's all he's about. As we said on last week's show, he has just piles, kind of four foot high of printouts, old school, uh, old school printouts where the perforated paper is attached. He's just, his house is full of boxes of data. It's incredible. Uh, it's incredible. Look, okay, I, 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 I am fascinated by that as well. I think you've articulated the situation really well in terms of why, looking at this line, what is going on? Why are we people not buying Cleveland here? Digging a little bit deeper here, I wonder if the second half against Tennessee hadn't happened, or at least it, you know, they hadn't clawed their way back to the degree that they did the Titans. And there seems to be two schools of thought on this. Some people saying, well, look, they'd already won the game. What do you expect? But mm, I, I think you know, that was a, 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 not that they could have carried on the Browns at the same rate that they did in the first half, but nevertheless, it was finished strong from the Titans and nothing was happening offensively for Cleveland. That, I think, has maybe had some bearing in terms of, mm, okay, let's not get carried away. When you look at the, the science a little bit more, Mayfield was only pressured once on 33 dropbacks against Tennessee, right? Uh, and this is Baltimore we're talking about here. So I think that's going to be a little bit different. PFF have drilled down on our, one of our favorite subjects, quarterbacks under pressure. Let's get this straight out there. We know that most quarterbacks are worse under pressure statistically. But what you've got to look at is the, the variation, the significant differential between under and not. Mayfield, 90.2 is grade when he's in a clean pocket. When he's under duress, 32.1. All right, so it is a big – he's in that group of quarterbacks where it all goes horribly wrong. Got to look at the first game of the season as well. And I know it was the first game of the season, post-COVID preseason. Let's not read too much into something that happened a few months ago, but crunch time. And this is the thing I think with Baker up against this particular defense. 0-3 on fourth down, 3 of 12 on third down, Cleveland were against Baltimore in that loss earlier in the season. And I think that's the key to it. I think Baker will panic if the Ravens can get in his face and, and get that side going. So if the Ravens are clicking to the degree we know they can defensively, I don't think it matters that Ronnie Stanley's not around anymore, that Lamar's not throwing for more than 200 yards. Seemingly every single game is under 200 yards. I don't think it matters. I think they will have enough to, to outfox and outduel Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and also I know Lamar Jackson hasn't been throwing the ball relatively well recently, but he does get Mark Andrews and Willie Sneed back for this game, which Huge. I think is massive for him. As yeah. long as he's got Mark yeah. Andrews, which I always think is his safety blanket in the passing game, I always think Lamar is going to be much more comfortable dropping under centre. And he's also, they look, I think they look much better with the running game, despite the fact they don't have Ronnie Stanley. I think J.K. Dobbins is coming to his own as a rookie. Um, I just yep. think the one the, the one issue that I think I have for Baltimore is how well are they going to be able to stop the run of Cleveland because mm. I think Baltimore have had most of their success when they have stopped the running game and kept teams under 100 rushing yards, which I just don't think you can do against this Cleveland rushing attack with Kareem mm. Hunt and Nick Chubb. So I think that's the only sort of play where I actually do suspect Ravens to be caused a little bit of trouble, especially because Calais Campbell looked very stiff and he didn't look sort of like the same Calais Campbell against mm. Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday night football. But yeah, I'm similar to you. I think this is another one that where my favorite phrase comes out of buy low, sell high. Mm. And I think Cleveland Browns right now, everyone is on them. And I think a lot of people will be looking at this as a trap game because I think everyone will be thinking, why 
are the Ravens the favourites going into this when no one is really believing in the Baltimore Ravens yeah. as much as they did last season? But I completely understand it. I think when you break it down as well as you just did, it makes complete sense that the Ravens are going to cause Baker Mayfield a lot of problems. And uh, also, there's a lot on the line, right? I mean, yeah. well, more on the line for the Ravens than, than the Browns, which at yeah. this stage of the season is not to be discounted. Uh, okay, so we're kind of leaning there. The over as well, I might take a look at. Yeah, did I was thinking that as well. I quite like the over. Did, did you say it's 44.5? 46 and a half. Oh, so it's got, so it, I think it opened lower, right? So it, yeah, it of, did. Yeah, yeah, okay. Some action's coming on the over, but I still quite like it. I still mm. believe that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt might have a relatively big day yeah. for the Browns. And I honestly think that Lamar Jackson might throw for quite a few yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Andrews, I think Willie Sneed, I think Hollywood Brown's hitting form. Yeah, agree. I think we could see a Lamar Jackson having fun with his arm for once. Mm. I think the over, yeah, yeah. We'll take a closer look at that. Love that. Okay, it was a wild week 13, and one punter, and by that I mean one gambler as opposed to one NFL punter, <laughs> saw the price on his first touchdown scorer. He bet on Dan Arnold. It was 40 to 1. It doubled to a massive 80 to 1, thanks to Betfred's Double Delight. And this week, Betfred are offering Double Delight on Arizona at the New York Football Giants and Indy at the Las Vegas Raiders. So pick your poison there. Don't forget to check out all the NFL offers on the Betfred app or at Betfred. Com. Singles only bets must be placed prior to kickoff to qualify. Betfred rules apply. Full terms, betfred.com forward slash promotions. You've got to be 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org is the website to check out. And as always, please gamble responsibly. All right. So we've got our Moneyline treble, our ACA of the week to get done. And of course, Propo is going to drop his prop bets of the week as well. Let's start with those. So which way are you looking here? So I'm going to start with the team, I would say probably with the most informed team in the league right now, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. They're coming up against their divisional rivals, the Detroit Lions, and I think that Aaron Jones has a big day on the ground. I think he goes for over 79 and a half rushing yards. Jones has taken a bit of a back seat in recent weeks, I think. I think everyone was focusing on Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that incredible match, that incredible link up and what they've managed to do. But... Aaron Jones re-announced himself with a 77-yard touchdown against the Eagles to kind of seal the game last week. And this week, he has a great matchup. Mm. Detroit ranked 28th in the league against the run. The Packers' offensive line has been solid, to say the least. And I expect Green Bay to run all over their divisional rivals and Aaron Jones to have a big old game. I love Green Bay in this game. I love that pick as well. So yeah, thumbs up from me, Propo, on the first one. What's next? We're now going for another buy low, sell, sell high now. And I'm nice. buying low on Tyler Lockett and the Seattle Seahawks. I think mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett goes for over 64 and a half receiving yards. I mean, I could probably just leave this one as saying he's against the New York Jets. <laughs> enough <laughs> said, pretty, enough said. Yeah, that is pretty much enough said. But Tyler Lockett, time, New York Jets, over 64.5. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you is, actually need to say anymore. No, I'm fine. I won't say anymore then. Fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're going to offer that to me, then I won't say anymore. Basically, my point is, is they're playing against the New York Jets. The New, they, they, there's no way Seattle are going to lose to both New York teams in back-to-back weeks and that Russell is going to get stifled the way he did last week. I think he is going to cook as as well and as hard as he's cooked all season. I expect DK to have a big game. I expect Tyler to have the biggest game. Tyler to score a touchdown as well. I'm expecting fireworks from the Seahawks this game. You know what I think might happen? I think Greg Williams might turn up at the game but just refuse, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> refused to accept the reality that he's been relieved of his duties. <laughs> How awkward would that be if Greg Williams is on the sideline with his headset trying to call the plays? Trying to call the plays and everyone's just like, no, you can't. Greg, listen, we've got to, seriously, yeah. Greg, it's over. It's over, <laughs> bud. Look, Greg, we've got your seat in the stands. We can still come to the games. You can still come to the games, but you just can't call the plays. Or you Did just you say, appear- they could just give him a fake headset. 
Why don't they just give him a fake headset? <laughs> <laughs> so he thinks he's calling the plays, but he's not. I love it. And the best thing about it is you just see him absolutely losing on the sidelines when they're not doing what he's telling them to do. So you have absolutely no idea why they're not following what he's telling them to do. It's presumably he's blitzed every play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, great. Number three is basically, and this, is, this, this one's quite heartbreaking, Nat, because I feel bad for mm. doing this. But at the same time, when something's working, you just got to keep doing it. And like seemingly, the, like the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You've got to keep doing it. Because, good example. Yeah, very good example. Very Thanks, good comparison. Man. So um, the Cincinnati Bengals have proven me right week on week about the fact that they can't stop tight ends. I mean, mm. Evan Ingram went off against them two weeks ago. Mike Gesicki was absolutely sensational. One of I the catches, Gesicki. one of the yeah, one of the catches of the week last week against Cincinnati Bengals. He had a big day as well. So I don't see why Dalton Schultz doesn't have a big day for the Dallas Cowboys. I honestly think the Bengals suck against tight ends. They do. They really, really do. They are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team, against at defending tight ends. And this isn't going to get any easier because you look at the other pieces that Andy Dalton's got to throw to on his comeback game against Cincinnati. And why would they cover Dalton Schultz when they've already got to cover C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, watch what Ezekiel Elliott's doing out in the backfield. Mm. So I think Schultz will be able to find a lot of space and have a big day. And Addy Dalton has been proven that he likes to throw to him. Consistently, he gets five receptions, four receptions, six receptions. So I don't see it. I just see this trend continuing. I don't see the Bengals ever being able to stop tight ends. What's the line on him? Over 37 and a half yards. Oh, okay, there you go. It's, yeah, four, four, five targets and, and he's in, right? I like that. Yeah. Okay, lovely stuff, Propo. Uh, buy low, sell high, as he says. Is that right? Did I get it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> okay. quite confusing. Sometimes people do say buy high, sell low, but you've got to buy make sure that's, that's the thing you don't want to do. You don't want to yes, buy high, sell low. That. Got it, got it. Yeah, it's all about the it? hot takes. I got it, got it. I, I mean, just, you've got, I've got three your... t-shirts in different colours with that on, so I don't know how you haven't got that yet. Love that Adam mug as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to my <laughs> yeah. cousin's, uh, my cousin's Christmas present you're going to get get for me as well. Uh, the fourth all right, quarter uh, one. What's the fourth that? quarter one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it on a mug. I expect it. Boxed up for Christmas. <laughs> uh, all right, Acker of the Week. Moneyline treble of the week. Where are we looking? So we, well... Why don't you can kick off Nat because we had to change this last minute. I uh, <laughs> I basically send I sent Nat what my idea was for the Edge Rush Hacker, and mm-hmm. my, the response was no, not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. With no offering up, nothing else. No, no alternatives, no reasoning no. why. Didn't even tell me which one he didn't like. He just no, no, not really sure about that one, mate. Come back with a new one. And I was thinking, what do I have to come back with a completely new one? Which teams do you not like? Which teams do you give like? Give me much context. Yeah. Didn't give me any context whatsoever. So what we did do is we actually replaced Kansas City because I think that was because you were you're such a big Flores fan, which I was happy well, to yeah, do. But, but yeah. since I sent that message, I've ch- I have changed my mind now as we've established at the top of the show in Kansas City, so I'm happy to put them back in. Maybe we'll give our listeners the option of three of these four then. Maybe we go for a fourfold now. I don't see why not. Wow, that's bold. Bold. And I like your ambition. I admire it. You are, you're heading to Wall Street with all this, you know, by this high, we're going yeah. big. <laughs> Is that all it takes? Gordon Gecko of Sports Gambling. <laughs> I, okay, let's, well, let's go through them. And our listeners can be the judge. We like, between us, we like these four in the money line. Because like I said, I've shifted back to Kansas City. That's why they were ejected from it. So put the Chiefs in the mix here. And then these three, I'm starting, what, what the team I wanted in is, is the Titans. They absolutely bounced back after last week's meltdown, at least first half meltdown against the Jags. It's the Jags. We love the Jags, but come on. The Titans are serious contenders, as as we were mentioning a little bit earlier. I think if they get into the game, they get into the dance, they get into the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous opponent in there. 
They're one of the most organized, best coach teams in the NFL. Love variable, and that was one of the worst halves of football, certainly under his tenure, that we've really seen in the NFL for a long time. There is absolutely, like you said with Tomlin, talking to his receivers, don't drop the ball. Same, apply the same thing with variable. There is no way defensively that they are going to be as ill-disciplined as they were last week against the Browns. I do think that the Jags might be able to put up a few points on them, but Henry comes back big. They grind them down. Yeah. I think Tannehill is safe, protects it. AJ Brown uh, and others are going to get in the mix. As it has been, as they were for actually a lot the second half against the Browns as well, Titans all the way for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I have to say, I love a bounce back win. And that also buys into our, our favorite narrative, buy low, sell high. So yeah, love it. Love what it. more could you want? Me, for the one that I went big on this week and the one that I'm very confident for is Tampa Bay to beat the Minnesota Vikings. I think Minnesota has struggled against the passing game all season. They're one of the worst teams at defending it. Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Glendog himself, both through for 250 Glendog. plus yards. Yeah, Glendog, what a man. 250 plus yards against him in the last two games. This is We're talking about Tom Brady off a of bye week. Although Mike Evans is looking questionable for the game, Chris Godwin is more than good enough to be wide receiver yeah. one. They've still got Antonio Brown there, who I think yeah. is waiting to kind of have a big game. He's Brady got 16 loves... different targets, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't Literally, matter. it doesn't matter. You can take one away from him. It doesn't matter. Brady loves Scotty Miller, who I'm sure will come in as he a does. wide receiver three. He's got Gronk. He's got Cameron Brait. So I think Tampa and Tom come in here with a statement win. And that narrative mm. is flipped for the sixth time this season. Now Tampa Bay will be back in the contention for the NFC. <laughs> Now, here's the one. Yes, of course, they're going to win it all. Here's the one I'm not so sure about, but put the case forward for the Atlanta Falcons off. Anthony Lynn is pretty much the only thing that, uh, the only point that I need to make when it comes to these two teams. I think that the Falcons have been on an upwards trend recently. I think that their record looks much worse because of the fact that they faced the best defense in football in the Saints twice in the past three weeks. Are people completely forgetting the fact that they just beat in the Las Vegas Raiders 43 6? two weeks ago, the LA Chargers have just put up a donut against the Patriots, a Patriots team, which mm. let's be honest, looking at it, isn't exactly anything special as we saw last night against the Rams. To concede 45 points, they're an absolute mess on special teams. And I think the special teams are actually very decent for the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is a horrific matchup for the LA Chargers all round. I think the safest play for this, because I know that Atlanta Falcons as road, as road favourites is never something that you'd want to buy into too much necessarily. And I understand that argument for it. But the Atlanta Falcons are going to pop a lot of points. If the Patriots can pop mm. 45 points against the LA Chargers, the Atlanta Falcons with Calvin Ridley, hopefully Julio Jones is playing. Todd Gurley might be back. If, they can, if the Patriots can do that, I think the Falcons can put up loads of points. And as much as I like Justin Herbert, the Falcons are very good against the run game. So I don't think Austin Eckler is going to be able to get going. And I think, again, that will put way too much pressure on the rookie. And with a pretty awful coaching team behind him, I'm pretty confident about the Atlanta Falcons bringing this one home. Solid, a, a solid argument. To be fair, I think the the Falcons are they are one of those teams with a deceptive record. It is you know deceptive in the sense they're a lot better than that suggests, and and they have been playing defensively particularly better and better as the season's gone on. Uh, I think that's going to cause them problems. I like it. Okay, I'm, I'm sneaky. In. I'm one, on one, one more I mean, quickly. I'll probably one more, go. One more quick one. Sneaky side go. bet. Yeah, sneaky side bet. Sneaky side bet. The Falcons points total. At so 25 and a half. 
We've got to get into our points totals. Ollie, have you been checking the weather for any of these games? I hope you have in terms of your deep research. <laughs> actually, I knew you were going to ask that question because it's the yeah. one week that I actually haven't checked the weather. Because I was That's thinking the one, the one thing that people should definitely do is check the weather before Monday Night Football, Cleveland Ravens, because we're yeah. pushing you over. We've got to check the weather before that because we've been done exactly. by that before, haven't we? we a couple of... Well, see, we've been done by that all. <laughs> You've definitely been, been done, by, done by that. I'll get the text out to prove it. We've both been yeah. done by that. There was a game against the Texans. I'm pretty sure we both took the over. Yeah, I think the Raiders one as well, maybe. That, yeah, that, well, you went big on the other. <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about it a few times, all right. Uh, all right, love that. Uh, fine work. The other thing, the other pick we like, which I think we referenced uh, during the show, Packers, I like the Packers. And Kansas uh, City. We've got, we've got so many here. Five-fold like, Josh Acker. I'm not saying put the Packers, well, we put the Packers in the Acker as well. That's Let's just put everyone in. Should we just, name, should we just name everyone? Should we just name a which team we team like Acker. in every team? Yeah, a 10-team Acker. Should we go for a big one this week? It's like when you're in a casino and that guy who puts chips on a roulette on pretty much all of the numbers. <laughs> like, well, you're probably going to win something. Uh, okay, lovely stuff, all. Uh, we are back for more of the same next week, of course, and Ed Rush will be rolling through the playoffs and up to the Super Bowl as well, dropping each and every Saturday morning. Propo, fine work, bud. We'll see you Monday. Podcast Network.